Welcome to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. My name's Tara Gleason, and I'm the producer. But this week, our host, Susan Sellers, has a very special episode in store for you, where she speaks with Shelley Kimball, the Senior Director of Research and Program Evaluation for MFAN, the Military Family Advisory Network. As the research director for MFAN, Shelley Kimball gathers the real-life experiences of military families to understand where they most need support, making sure they get it. She's presented MFAN's research to the White House, on Capitol Hill, and at the Pentagon, where it's been used to shape policy affecting military families. We would like to thank Flo Mazda and Fayetteville for supporting this week's podcast. Since we know that food insecurity is affecting our community, help those in this area fill a car of non-perishable food items during their grand opening event that's going to support the YMCA Fort Bragg Food Pantry. They will be accepting canned food donations at their new state-of-the-art facility at Skipbo Row, now until till March 18th. And don't miss a chance to participate in their hybrid celebration, which will be online and also at their location on March 18th. The grand opening charity event will be filled with giveaways, virtual tours, and more to celebrate our community. Visit flowmazdafayetteville.com for more details. Now I'm going to turn it over to Susan and Shelly, who are going to go into greater detail about food insecurity. I can tell you that I felt that this research was very eye-opening to me, and I hope that, like Susan, that, that you will listen to this and also want to take action the way that the Fayetteville community has done and the way that MFAN has done to help this area of food insecurity for our military families. Joining me today is Dr. Shelley Kemble from the Military Family Advisory Network. Shelley, if I can call you Shelley, thank you so much for joining us today. Of course, and thanks so much for having me. Well, it is our pleasure. This is a topic that's really close to my heart. Uh, but before we dive into it, would you share with our listeners that are maybe not familiar with MFAN and what you've been working on in your organization? Sure. So just a little background about who we are. Um, we're a nonprofit. Uh, we're about seven years old, and our mission is to help military and veteran families find the support that they need to, to thrive. Um, and we take a pretty data-driven approach, meaning we use a lot of the research to figure out where to go and what to do. We don't want to ever guess. And so we're often measuring the kinds of support systems that military and veteran families love or maybe if there's a gap in service, we figure out what's going on there and see if there are others in the field who are doing great things that we could help families find their way over there. And also at the heart of our organization is an advisory board that's made up of military spouses who live all over the country and Oconus who share their experiences in their communities. So they're really the ear to the ground for us. And especially in the topic we're talking about today, they played a big part in us figuring out what to do and where to go. And so um, I always look to them for guidance about what's happening in real lives so that we can make sure we're there to help. Absolutely. I think it's so important to have a connection with all the communities across the United States and overseas and our, in our military because that's how you can really understand what's going on from day to day. And one of the ways MFAN does this is through a survey. And that kind of brings us to today's topic. So in 2019, there was a survey or a study conducted that found there was a rising number of U.S. military families 
well, struggling to feed themselves uh, and to feed their families. So can you elaborate a little bit more about this? Sure, sure. And we go by MFAN. So I'll, as I go through, we the name Military Family Advisory Network is kind of long, but we started studying this uh, more than three years ago because we had heard from those advisors that food insecurity was an issue among active duty military families. We had families who had experienced it themselves, and we also had uh, participants who were working at food pantries and food support systems, so they were seeing it from both sides. And so back then in 2017, we fielded a study to understand what was happening and um, just asking some basic questions about what people do if they're struggling to get enough food to eat. We fielded another in 2019 to really understand the range of experiences people have. So this study, the 2019 study, um, was pre-COVID, and it showed us that one in eight of our respondents was having trouble getting enough food to eat. And really, when we looked into that data, because we asked long, open-ended questions, we get to see more about what life is like. We could see active-duty families were really struggling. Um, they were telling us that they were not eating, or maybe one member of the family was holding back from eating until every, everyone else in the family got enough food. We also saw um, they were telling us about food avoidance behaviors like eating ice, drinking water, chewing gum. People also said that they were selling belongings, putting food on credit, trying to find extra work. So in understanding what those experiences were, that underpinning also was really upsetting to see. But we also saw that the communities were really stepping up to help out. We always ask questions about where do you go for help when you need it so that we can make sure that we're there too, you know, that we're, we're providing all the support everyone needs. And our respondents were saying that they were really relying on the food pantries in their communities to provide support. And we've seen that year after year in our re research, that that community support is incredibly important in this situation, that they really are going out to the food pantries, the faith-based communities. They're also, also asking families and family and friends for help and assistance along the way. But man, I can't understate the, the importance of the community support in the food pantries. Well, what you just shared, Shelley, is, it's, it's, frankly, it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, to, to think of our military families struggling this way um, and that, that you've noticed this before COVID, you know, the initial survey was mm -hmm. in 2017, followed by uh, another one in 2019. For our listeners, just so that they uh, have a better understanding uh, on this particular topic, the phrase food insecurity is demonstrated throughout the survey and is uh, trying to identify, you know, some of this, these complicated um, issues that, that we see going mm -hmm. on in our community. What is this, what does the phrase food insecurity mean? That is such a good question. It, um, Food insecurity, really, the way we measure it is a range. It's not just one thing, one experience. So, and I think there's some confusion, too, about what people envision it to be. We use the USDA's six-item short-form food security scale to measure the range of experiences among our participants. So as a research tool, it's really effective because it helps us see where people fall on this scale. Now, that scale has six items, and those are things like do you worry that your groceries will run out before the end of the month? Do you skip meals to make your food last? Do you buy less nutritious 
foods because you can't afford other things. And then, you know, that higher range, are you skipping meals completely? Are you not eating? How often are you not eating? And so this super concise scale helps us see where people are falling on that, you know, within that range. And so even struggling to make sure your food lasts through the month or buying less nutritious foods, that can register as food insecurity. And so I think that it encompasses more than people might realize. That scale requires that two or more of these issues are present. And so just those two would do it. And so, you know, that's something I, I wish more people understood because you don't have to be all the way at the far end of the scale, hunger, to seek help or seek assistance. It's okay to help, to go for assistance when you just are having trouble making ends meet in the month. There is nothing wrong with that. And so um, I think also in our military community, we, of, we often think, I'm resilient, I'm going to put up with it, or oh, somebody out there is struggling more, so I don't want to go get help. And I wish that I could remove all of that for people and just say that there is so much support waiting, so many out there who really want to help, and I wish more people would take advantage of that. Well, and I think having our listeners, and, and myself included, having a better understanding of what it means when you hear the phrase food insecurity, that it's so much more complex than perhaps mm -hmm. what we visualize. And and this particular topic, you know, it can have consequences for everyone involved in the family, particularly, you know, children, their health, their educational development. There's research that indicates that children, even if they encounter uh, food insecurity for just a short period of time, that this still can have serious consequences, whether it's decreased mm -hmm. performance in their literacy or in their math, short-term mm -hmm. memory tests. Additionally, children maybe that experience this food insecurity, they could even display signs of stress or anxiety, which we all know, coupled with the dynamics of a military life, well, that can also mm -hmm. affect their educational journey. I'm wondering, though, from these, these surveys that have been conducted, what are some of the possible factors that can affect food insecurity in military families? I think that's probably the most common question I'm asked about this kind of research. And to be honest with you, no one knows for sure. There's no research yet that shows what exactly those causal factors are. And that's something that we're working on here at MFAN. But that takes time to figure out because they're as unique as each family. So some things that we're seeing, though, that seem to play a part, some of the significant connections we've seen in the data are um, it could be the number of people in the family. It could be also whether there are two incomes in the family. It could be the cost of living in a location. There are a lot of issues at play here. And so we're trying to tease out what exactly those pain points are along the way that are affecting families. And so, so that we can help earlier before we're getting to the end zone of hunger. And so we're still looking into what that may be. That's interesting. I know immediately that came to mind for me was perhaps an in income. And so I did a little research on my own and it, from what I could find, you know, the, 
uh, lower enlisted E1, E2 with a family of four on average, their salary is around $26,000, give or take. But then when you add in housing to that, uh, you know, that BAH, that actually could push them over what is considered the poverty threshold, meaning that they may or may not then be eligible for benefits. And I do find it particularly interesting too on a wider scale that the poverty threshold, it doesn't vary by state, but yet with such a mobile community such as the military, you know, moving from North Carolina to say San Diego, California, you know, the cost of the expense of moving, the change mm -hmm. in the cost of living, going from a smaller area to, you know, a more urban or more established area, those things have to have an effect on a family, not only with their, you know, their income, but and, and also with their benefits because that threshold doesn't change. And you also mentioned another thing that I think may be going hand in hand currently with COVID is, is the spousal employment. And I know that this has been an ongoing issue that mm -hmm. MFAN has identified before, but because of being right. so mobile, spouses have a really difficult time finding work and finding, uh, yeah. you know, consistent work that, that is going to help contribute to that family's income. And then COVID, you know, then you put COVID on top of it. So how does, M I know, how does MFAN see the current COVID environment playing a role in this just such complex of a problem? Oh, yeah, I, well, simple answer is that we know that COVID has made all of this worse. It, um, you know, our timing when we collected that data really was right before COVID hit. And so we have a survey in the field now to help us understand from a data perspective those differences. And so I think in the end it's really going to serve us well to have that sort of pre-look and then mid-look at what's happening during COVID. But I think we're all in agreement even before the data comes in that COVID has really affected the situation. Some initial observations in the data and also some, um, you know, anecdotal observations from talking to families is this idea of the national job losses, especially for women who due to COVID and needing to be home with the kids for their schooling is removing that additional income and making the pressure even worse. You know, the Department of Labor's recent statistics about women losing so much of this work is staggering. And, you know, for military spouses who are already at a disadvantage and trying to find employment, finding jobs, keeping jobs, it's just become exponentially more difficult. And on top of that, you know, another part of this COVID experience that we recognize in the very first days that has continued is the fact that families were relying on free and reduced meals at schools. And so we knew that from our initial data, we've known that all along that military families, many rely on free or reduced meals at schools for breakfast and lunch, especially among the younger to mid enlisted families, like you mentioned uh, previously, they really can be affected here um, with the rate of pay number of, of family members. But when you then remove school from the equation and everybody is at home trying to school, then those families who are relying on breakfast and lunch 
are now needing to find a way to replace that food in their own family. So where you may have had one meal at home and maybe some snacks, they're now tripling that and trying to figure out where to get the food for that uh, situation. So we have seen that the pandemic EBT program has kind of moved into that place in some areas. And there has been some confusion on how that works because it's different state by state. So the pandemic EBT is like a debit card that takes the value of the free or reduced meals that the families might have gotten at school, puts that on a debit card, so then they can go buy the food that they need for their families. Um, but because each state handles it differently, there are different deadlines, different processes, and so it's become pretty confusing. But I also think that the COVID environment is really helping us eliminate the stigma of seeking help because we're all in this together. This is out of our hands. And so for families to see it's okay to go seek help, I hope that that lasts even beyond all of this, that um, we continue to remain that, that really um, bonded community support system for families. I, I, th I couldn't say it better myself. I completely agree. I, I you know, the unfortunate or the, the fortunate cause of COVID is that it is an opportunity now to really highlight this particular area that our families have frankly been struggling with since before COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, I was doing, you know, research, as I said, on, on this particular mm -hmm. podcast and came across uh, a study that said in 2018, 2019, a third of children that attend DOD run schools are mm -hmm. eligible for free and reduced lunch. And that just, yeah. that stat just kind of really sat with me because, you know, it occurs to me, yes, they're home. So school meals, they serve such an important safety net for so many of, you know, so many disadvantaged children, not just military children that qualify, but mm -hmm. having that resource no longer easily access, accessible, mm -hmm. you know, just adds another layer to this this ongoing challenge that our, our entire country is facing, frankly. What are some of the current solutions that you're seeing, though, for our military families? You talked about great community support, and I would love to, mm -hmm. to shine a light on some of the things that are going on. Absolutely. So yeah, I kind of see this in two ways, the national and the local. So Nationally speaking, um, we have seen recently the uh, Biden administration really moving quickly to expand food uh, assistance for everyone, not just military families, but for everyone who's struggling. And that pandemic EBT program, really recently they expanded that to include the youngest kids, zero to six, who you know may not have had you know that in with school. And so they're trying to expand that EBT program and eliminate some of the confusion state by state. But then we also, as an organization, MFAN, we have MillMap, and it's a national user-generated generated resource map for military and veteran families to find the help and assistance in their communities. So these are those vetted resources that other military and veteran families are saying, yes, it works, I like it, here's where you find it. We know that we are such a transitioning population, and Finding your place in a community, whether it's that social support or finding those resources you need quickly can be difficult. And so we thought this map was a way for all of us to kind of come together and share what we know and what we like. So that online map, all you have to do is put in your zip code and it'll pop up with resources and a map of where you can find some assistance. 
And then also that survey that we we're fielding, we'd love to hear from everybody there, um, and not just those who are struggling. We need to hear from everyone to really get a good look at what's happening um, with families right now during COVID. But locally, we have focused on a more regional approach on food insecurity. Our organization in these years of study have noticed that one location keeps coming up with the highest frequency of food insecurity on our, on our surveys, and that is Fort Hood, Texas. And so just before the holidays, we uh, had a food distribution event there, and we um, had a sign up and, and lots of community support for figuring out families to reach out to very quickly in a really sad way to me, those numbers filled up. And so we served um, hundreds of pounds of food to 500 families in the Fort Hood area. And we're gonna continue doing that through this next year. It's, it's a priority for us, uh, food insecurity and trying to find support. So we'll be going to other cities this year as well, partnering with community organizations to provide food and some solutions. And then just anecdotally, I live in Northern Virginia and our school system does some creative things to get food out to families uh, of school kids. So they do um, food pickups. They, the bus system drives food around to families. We've heard of other school districts that allow uh, families to come pick up food from more than one family, so not everybody has to go out there. And you know, just yesterday I got a text from my school system telling me that when the school food pickups are and where they are, just as a reminder. So we know that in the local communities, there's some super creative ways to make sure families are getting the assistance and knowing where to go for it. And I think that is so important, not only getting the assistance, but knowing where to go. And that's one of mm -hmm. the things I like about MFAN's mill map. I was on there plugging around mm -hmm. and it's state specific. So you can go on there and put in your zip code or put in where you're living uh, and it will pull up resources. It pulls up a variety of resources, everything from mm -hmm. academic resources to entertainment, but specifically for those looking for some support in terms of food insecurity. So the other feature I really liked about it was if um, the, you know, the user noticed a resource that was not on there, you could actually update yeah. that system and help MFAN identify more of the resources there in your community, which I think is a, a fabulous mm -hmm. tool, um, you know, because it, it does take a village. You know, the advisors are working really hard, but mm -hmm. any input from other military families or educators, anybody in those local areas to share that information. and. We've here at Fort Bragg have also seen some creative ideas, whether it's uh, local churches partnering with school districts to deliver mm -hmm. food or to, to do that drive up and uh, the churches are actually supplementing the school lunches with some fresh produce and or mm -hmm. fresh dairy, which, you know, just kind of, it just brightens that family's day. But I've even seen, because of this upcoming podcast, uh, talking to some community members here, Flo Mazda here in Fayetteville is going to do an outreach event in March, uh, partnering with our YMCA Armed Forces Food Pantry that serves vet veterans and active duty military families. So I just thought that was a great example of how uh, somebody outside the, the military community immediately, but still felt the call to help the military family. So I'm going to put that information once I find it on our show's notes. But what other steps, Shelley, could our listeners 
do to help? Because I really feel like this is the opportunity for a call for action. What would you suggest? Absolutely. Well, I think the easiest thing is uploading those valued food support locations into MillMap. I know as a military family that this is one of the things we do incredibly well is making sure that others who are in our communities really kind of linking arms and saying, here's where you go, here it is. And, and so this is a way also to make that sort of national for everyone to share that information. But I also think, you know, donating food to your school systems for distribution. We have a, there's a program here locally that does that where we, you know, you fill a bag and leave it on your porch and it goes into the school system. So checking in with your schools to see how they're collecting that food. Donating to those food pantries. We have those on MillMap and definitely upload the ones you know about if, if we aren't listing it. And then check in with them and how are, where can you give them food? How can they get that food? And I think things like sharing on social media or, or having the conversations with people um, you're speaking with about where this kind of food support is, only to open that dialogue. I think that having that conversation, that small little step, it's going to eliminate some of the concerns about accepting help, just knowing this is normal, this is fine, um, and there are things waiting for you. For the, and then for those who are struggling to make your groceries last, the best thing to do is take advantage of this assistance. It's really there for everyone, and so many of us out there just want families to get the food that they need to thrive because if they don't have those basic needs, everything else is so difficult. And so if we can help in that corner of their worlds, we are so happy to do that. Absolutely. I completely agree. So listeners, go to the MFAN website. I'm going to include their link in the show's notes. Check out that mill map and see what community resources are listed. If you know of some, that is an active way that we can get involved. Support the commissary when they're, um, they have mm-hmm. you know, pre-made meals to, to buy. Mm-hmm. And I think it is also important to start to have that conversation through the SFRGs, through leadership in terms of what are some of these contributing factors. And one way to do that mm-hmm. is to encourage participation in the upcoming survey because we really need to, as a community, identify some of the factors so that we can have some long-term solutions. This goes so beyond COVID. And I think it is so important that if we can not only come together as a community with the support and resources, that's what makes military families and the military community so special, but also really tying down what are the factors so that we can find a more permanent solution. Absolutely. Well, Shelly, thank you so much for coming on today. It has truly been an honor to speak with you, and I really appreciate and I'm grateful for the efforts that MFAN is taking to help our military families. Well, thanks so much. Thanks so much for sharing all of this information. I know it's going to be helpful to other families, so I appreciate the work you're doing. Absolutely. And I'm going to follow up with you hopefully maybe this time next year where we'll have some more information and even some possible importantly, uh, some solutions. So to our listeners, I want to wish you a happy and healthy day. And thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition, sponsored today by Flo Mazda in Fayetteville. 
You can listen to this podcast and those archived by topic when you subscribe and download at Podbean, iTunes, MSEX, all military connected children by educating, advocating, and collaborating to resolve education challenges associated with the military lifestyle. Learn more about our partnerships, programs, and initiatives at militarychild.org. Follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram for the latest on our enduring mission to serve the children of those who serve us all. Be sure to join us again next week. Thanks for listening.